Welcome to Mirror Finish, the official podcast of Great Lakes Stainless, episode 33. This is Paul, Mike, and Travis here, and uh, this week we had Habitat for Humanity, uh, Wendy Irvin, who is the executive director, and Kathleen English, who is the homeowner and volunteer services manager. So for this one, uh, both Mike and Travis couldn't make it. I think, Mike, you were still fighting that. Oh, man. Unbelievable Correct, call yeah. that you had. And then, Travis, I think you were... You had to yeah, take your around, yeah, running something. errands and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, how was you guys' holiday weekend? That's good. Week holiday week. Yeah, yeah fabulous. Whole week off. Yeah, much. Right? Great. Yeah, Cherry Fest. <laughs> how was the Cherry Fest this year? Did you go on to that? Uh, yeah, no, a little bit. A little bit. Not much. No. No. I, no. This year, for some reason, I was just I don't want. I actively stayed away. Just don't want anything to I do. I took with the it. took my oldest two down to the runway. <clears throat> His rides looked horrible. Yeah. They loved them. It's horrible. I, I refuse. Just like whip you around in circles. Just imagine putting you on the end of a string in a cage and somebody just whips you around really hard. Yeah. And it's all put together and broken down in a night yep. by people of questionable character. <laughs> <clears throat> no offense to the carnies out there, to our carny audience. I mean a little, I'll be honest. Whatever. A little? Okay. <laughs> You're going to hear from... from oh, well... The- you have to be literate to type emails. So I think oh, wow. <laughs> I would just like to put out there that in no way does Paul's views on the carnies and traveling sideshow workers. Freaks. Okay. You don't speak in for no people. way. I do not speak for Great Lakes Stainless or anyone else here. No, that's your own opinion. I'm really just trying to manufacture some drama to have some form of communication with the listeners. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> For all our international listeners, uh, July 4th is Independence Day for the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We've got, hey man, there's like 20 countries listed on the, the metrics. Yeah. So all the way from like Malaysia to a bunch of countries in Europe. Well, we're probably going to offend the Brits with that little comment. Well, and I mean, to be honest, for people that don't know, that's the day where we celebrate how we're better than everybody else. In the- <laughs> <laughs> so I did notice on like Search Console... Uh, we get a large number of hits for something like Wildflower episode 27. No. Oh. That was a very strange combination, but we got a lot of lits, hits, and it brings up episode 27, which I believe is one maybe of Nick Jarvis. Oh. <laughs> so we may have picked what up some, uh, and when I did a search for it, I think it's probably the English translation of uh, some Arabic characters, so we may be picking up some. All right. Middle East. I don't Sweet. Know. Yeah. Middle East. Listeners. I thought it was coming from, like, I don't know, maybe like the courthouse or parole officer. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, man, is, the, is this laptop? But you think it, it, it was so, it was so, it's so close to, like, weld hell. At first I thought yeah. it was something with welding, which would make more sense, but no, I don't, I don't think it actually is. No. <laughs> I'm going to confiscate all this equipment, man. Uh, oh, man, well, that's awesome, though. I mean, uh, more exposure, the better, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, nothing like dropping 100 million bucks on a parade, right? Is that taxpayer yeah. money to yeah. roll some tanks through? Uh, I thought you were talking about the cherry festival. I'm like, oh, uh, Paul, <laughs> that didn't cost $100 million. No. no. Oh, yeah, the tanks. Yeah, it was like $5 million for the tanks and $95 million to fix all the roads after they drove them through. <laughs> Moron. Yeah. It's just whatever. Yeah, we're trying to get too political, but at some point it's almost unavoidable. But, uh, but you know who's apolitical? Who's apolitical? Habitat for Humanity. Yes, they are. Habitat for Humanity, a great organization. Uh, We talked about uh, the mission of Habitat. Uh, We kind of dove into uh, how Wendy and Kathleen came to work for Habitat. 
the uh, overall mission of nonprofits in general and how they work with the community, kind of the overall mindset behind nonprofits, uh, how people come to work for them, uh, and how, I mean, really beneficial they are for the community and how other nonprofits work together. I know I'd floated the idea past you, Mike, I think I floated it past you, that since Habitat is working with Cherryland, um, that I'd like to reach out to Cherryland again and go back on there and talk about how, you know, uh, Habitat and Cherryland and indirectly it almost ties into Goodwill. We talked about Goodwill mm-hmm. in episode two uh, with this new program that Cherryland is doing with Habitat. Right. You got all these three nonprofit organizations all working together to help and it, it kind of it comes out as the result is more than the some of the parts, you know, you, yeah. you, the impact that they're having. And uh, another thing those three have in common, and they've, they've all been on Mirror Finish, the official podcast of Great Lakes Thermos. I hope to... Uh, blew the binds. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I like to think that maybe, I know it's not true, but I'm just going to go with it that uh, we brought the... We brought them together. We brought them together. together. Uh-huh. The, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Wow. Can all be traced back the delusions to run this deep. little room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Um, so I know on the website we currently don't have any positions posted, but again, that doesn't mean you can't come by. Uh, show us what you got. Put in a resume. You know, we're always looking for finishers. Always looking. This for is what Paul sees when he looks in the mirror in the morning. Uh, I'm sure it is. Oh yeah, that's right. That's Paul. The rock Mike. flexing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do that. I, I strike that pose. <clears throat> Give me people's eyebrow. Uh, you're like 10 shades darker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's summer. Give me some time. Get the right hair. You got yeah. the right hair. Yeah. No, we're practically, I mean, I get that all the time on the street. It's like, hey, man, I love the movie you were in with Kevin Hart. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know. Oh, that's Photoshop. Nobody's got a 12 pack. I don't even know what's going on there. That's just, they're both Photoshopped. The one on the, on the left was me in high school. <laughs> the one on the, on the right will never be me. I don't know, you might want to get that off your screen before too many people right. walk by your door. <laughs> what kind of podcast what is are they, that? What are they doing? Now, some people walk by and be like, oh, I'm doing that now. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking shirtless dudes. So, uh, yeah, uh, check us out at uh, greatlakestainless.com. Uh, go to the careers tab. Keep an eye on it always. We're, again, right now we don't have anything there, but uh, we may be posting stuff soon. We got a pretty. How's the summer looking? Going into fall? Not so bad. Pretty good. Yeah. Got some big projects coming got up. A little bit of room. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Instagram, of course, and the email is mirrorfinish at greatlakesstainless.com. Get a hold of us. Anything, um, episode suggestions, uh, general comments or questions on the podcast. Just want some contact. Just some contact. Yeah. Just some human. Paul doesn't have a lot of friends, so <laughs> this is. He was really. He's really putting all of his eggs in one basket with this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Thus far, breaking all the rules. And so definitely subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you get your podcast. It helps us out in all the algorithms. So uh, here is episode thirty-three with Wendy and Kathleen at Habitat for Humanity. Nasty cold, and so his voice is not cooperating. So okay, but would you like us? Um, 
Look right here, it's great. Do you okay. guys want a water or anything? I might have a water just because sure. I, <coughs> I keep coughing for some reason. Sure. I don't want to go for sure. anything. Thank you. Definitely. I'm fine. Oh, sure. Thanks. All right. Oh, right. Right. I should have brought mine in. I've done that. We normally have a third host, but he has to take his son to driver's training. There you go. Got a couple more here. Thanks for coming by. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Actually, I listened to Trailland's podcast too, and I heard that uh, you, was it just you that was on that one? Nathan, our project manager, right. joined us that day. Okay. Yes. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that, I think that's an awesome program. It is. It yeah. is a neat partnership. It really is. And uh, Mike knows Tony, and. Mm -hmm. uh, just told me this morning that he'd been working on that for quite a quite a right, while. Right. Um, yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that too, and of course cover. You know, I'm pretty sure most people know about Habitat and what it's for, and a lot of people probably work for Habitat, like I have. Uh, when I was. Uh, Were you a volunteer? I was. Yeah, way back in in high school. Awesome. Um, so I don't know if we properly shared. Maybe you gave him your card already, Kathleen. But she's our volunteer. Our, um, oh, sure. Our homeowner services manager used to be slash volunteer manager. So, um, Great, and you. when you said you used to volunteer, Kathleen used to work for another affiliate in a different state before mm -hmm. she came to us. Okay. That was many years ago. But, but did you volunteer here at the Grand Traverse Region? I, I would for sure. I have not yet. But okay. I definitely would. <laughs> okay. um, what state? I was in Delaware. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was in Virginia. So oh, okay. oh, cool. East Coast yeah. and. Uh, there you go. It was, uh, Gotta love the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, but I'm here now <laughs> mainly because yes. of the weather. Right. right well. Right. You know, especially down you know, there, it starts to get pretty pretty humid in the summers. And oh yes. When I was living in Delaware, it was just and because I'm from Michigan, it, okay. the humidity was just too much. I wanted to be outside, and I couldn't enjoy it as much as you can in Michigan. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, I grew up on Chesapeake Bay. And, mm -hmm. I'm from Pennsylvania okay. originally, okay. so we spent all of our summers on the East Coast at the ocean, and I, sure. we miss it. We yeah. really do. We love it here, too, though. Yeah, I mean, it. I think I did enjoy the ocean <coughs> seafood, which oh, yeah. I mean, this has a different kind of seafood. Right. But, uh, I mean. I think just the whole experience. You know, my daughters were raised in... Um, to go, we went on our family vacation trips too. So I think just the whole the ocean waves, the smell of the yeah. salt water, and the seagulls, even the seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> just just the whole experience on the boardwalk. Yeah. yeah we, we miss that. Every once in a while, we'll sneak away and just take a little mini trip. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I could hear the, the waves at the bay right. in my bedroom window. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's awesome. He, he could get that here, I guess, if you live right on one of the big lakes. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, it was the summer after my senior year, I went down to Miami. Okay. And let me talk about humid. Oh, yeah. Humid? That was, that was next level. Wow. That, yeah, it's just you know, every day it rains, and then <clears> like in the afternoon, and then the sun <clears> comes out, and it's just a steam bath. And, mm. So as bad as mm -hmm. Southeast Virginia was, Florida, for me, Miami, it was like, no, I can't. You know, I'm here now for a couple of weeks, but there's no way I could live here. So that's where you were volunteering with Habitat? Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, my how, how did that work? I think my, my girlfriend's stepdad lived in Miami and was involved. Mm -hmm. And I think we just went down there for uh, just like a trip after high school. Mm -hmm. But it was also to, to volunteer. So we kind of combined a little bit of sightseeing with, mm -hmm. with volunteering. I've never been to Miami, but a friend of mine has been there now for a month. Just okay. um, she left for a special um, I don't know, a company who hires in people to um, 
take trips, small trips. People who are vacationers okay. that go to town that are on their own and they don't really know their way around. Tour guide, oh. basically. Oh, she's a, cool. She's okay. a tour guide. She's not really officially a tour guide. She's never been one before. But... Um, but she's very good at a lot of things, and so she they, she got hired by a company to go down there for a month and, and take people who visit and just pull a group together and make it a great experience, just mm-hmm. kind of like you do with volunteers when mm-hmm. they came out on site. Mm-hmm. Make sure they have a great experience. So she spent an entire month with different groups coming in to Miami and just touring and out mm-hmm. in the boat every day, all these pictures that she's oh. posting. like, that looks fabulous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Take people on vacation. Yeah. A whole month. <laughs> Yeah, and that's your job. Although she did say, I mean, everybody was saying about her vacation, and she's like, okay, guys, I just want you to know there is actually a little bit of work behind it. I can even, I can imagine, because while everybody's out in the evenings and they're going out to the, you know, the trendy pubs and kind of things at nighttime, too, and seeing the culture, and she's a variety of everything, but she's definitely working, making sure that the group is safe and um, educating them and all of those things. So I guess there's a little work, even though her pictures all just look like out in the beach (laughs) on a sailboat. Yeah, Yeah, you can't work when you're on the sailboat. Sure, sure. So you said you grew up in Michigan. What took you down to Delaware? Was it Habitat? Uh, Yeah, actually, I was an AmeriCorps member. um, After college, I took, um, well, it wasn't right after college, but a couple years after college, I um, wanted to get involved in service. Uh, I had actually volunteered with Habitat in college. I went on a couple service trips. I went to one either Virginia or West Virginia, I forget where, okay. you know, where we were there for a week working with Habitat, and um, I think we had AmeriCorps members leading us, and I just really wanted to do that for a year. So um, I found a Habitat affiliate in Wilmington, Delaware that needed site super, assistant site supervisors, so I went down there with the only building experience I had was when I had volunteered on some other Habitat sites. So. They took me in and taught me different things about um, building the homes, and I would lead volunteer groups on the construction site as an assistant site supervisor there. So um, I worked there for a year on site, and then I did a half a term, a half of an AmeriCorps term in Washington, D.C. with the Habitat affiliate there, um, helping in their homeowner services department. And then eventually, the affiliate in Delaware that I had worked with on site, they hired me on as their volunteer coordinator. So I worked with them for a little over a year, and then I said I need to go back to Michigan. (laughs) So I moved back to Michigan about five years ago and um, was doing some teaching. Mm -hmm. Now I'm back in the habitat world and really loving it. Uh, And another odd transition happened. Her husband actually worked for Habitat he was from Pennsylvania, central oh. Pennsylvania, where I was from. Okay. And when he interviewed for the job, I didn't know him when I lived there, but when he interviewed for this job, he was still living back in Pennsylvania and a um, strong candidate for the job. So we hired him, and then mm-hmm. he moved up here with Kathleen, oh, and it was just like, it's just interesting transition, yeah. Yeah. change of events. Yeah. We, we met, my husband and I met do, doing Habitat. Oh, he was also in Delaware <laughs> as an AmeriCorps member, but okay. at a different affiliate. And then, right, he came on up here and... Eventually, he found an, he you know left for another job, but then I came in because okay. I knew you know about this organization and wanted to be a part of it. So okay, yeah. Now I'm not that familiar with AmeriCorps. Can you explain sure. more what that's about? Yeah, AmeriCorps is a term of service. It's um, 
Some people might compare it to a Peace Corps, but I would say it's less intense. It's domestic. Mm -hmm. It's here in the United States. And AmeriCorps members put in a certain amount of hours. It's like a job. They receive a stipend, though. Um, and, you know, it's typically a year-long program. For example, when I was in it, I had to complete 1,700 hours. Um, and I was stationed with that Habitat affiliate the whole year. I didn't go to different organizations and volunteer. I was just an AmeriCorps member with that Habitat affiliate for my entire term is what they call it. So it's a year of service. Um, a lot of people might do it after high school. Some people might do it in between college, you know, take a year off of college and do it. Some people do it after college. Some people do it, you know, uh, if they're in their 30s, 40s. There's also senior core, which is for seniors to get involved in um, service, a year of service with different organizations as well. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how does one become executive director of the Habitat for Humanity? Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. <laughs> I am... Um, I had been in the nonprofit world for 30 some years, so it was a nice transition for me when I was able to uh, connect with Habitat. And uh, I was serving actually at risk children and and low income individuals and families in general in a different nonprofit. So the transition to serve at this segment of the population, which is still a need for affordable housing, and many times um, we don't uh, discriminate against our um, applicants, but many times just just because of the need for affordable housing, they tend to be single parents with families with children and usually uh, four family households. So it just transitioned nicely. And the nonprofit world is wearing many hats. I love the nonprofit world because it just gives you such a variety of things to do. And I like to be focused on a mission. It's a, you know, it's just really a, it's hard work, right? Hard sure. work. Nonprofit work is hard work. Sure. Um, but just the mission focus is, is such a blessing to experience that, knowing that you're making an impact or a difference in some way. You know, putting all of your energy and effort into something that, you know, is resulting in, in helping others is meaningful to me to continue that work. So I just, I've been in the nonprofit world continuously because of my passion for um, just making that impact and that difference. But, yeah. And that's so important. We yeah. had uh, North Sky Raptor Sanctuary on last mm-hmm. time yeah. uh, and that's going to publish i think this yeah the end of this week right. but yeah we talked about it's like, you know you guys are doing the good work that and yeah. the, the the conversation kind of transitioned more like into the into the why and kind of got into the you know the theme and a little bit of the philosophy of nonprofit, where you know we're kind of taught from an early age that um, wealth equals success and it's to mm-hmm. collect these material things mm-hmm. and you know relationships and helping others has kind of been pushed aside but with them and then with with you and Habitat and all the other nonprofits out there it's, right. it's nice so. to see this I, mean, I, I feel anyway or maybe it's just the, the news cycle that I'm, I'm being exposed to that we're seeing this kind of resurgence of nonprofit and people helping people, and if that's in response to the current political climate, I don't know, but it's good to see that. This is a community that um, really does embrace, you know, helping others. I think when when I moved here ten years ago, I mean, it's a visibly a beautiful uh, region, yeah, right? I mean, sure. it's just God's country, right, to oh, live yeah. here. But when you start to recognize and get to know the the people that live here and their history behind it and their interest in 
I'm helping others, and I get, you know, we get an upfront and personal uh, perspective of that, which we're blessed to see, uh, individuals who really want to give back and do good work in this community that really don't want to receive a thank you or any recognition for it. They just, they know, they feel in their heart it's the right thing to do, and so when you're surrounded by that kind of a community, yeah. it's, um, it just is a joy to be able to help out in some way, you know. Yeah, my daughter works for Goodwill. Um, there you with, go. With and Goodwill's a fabulous organization, yeah, strong in this community, one of the strongest yeah. ones probably in the nation. Absolutely. We had uh, Jace Ashwell right. on um, right. a few months ago, right. yeah, yeah, over the winter. And, um, but yeah, she works with youth, she works with uh, housing placement, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, she sees that kind of stuff every day, working on the front lines. And I mean, I could, I could talk forever about the like the philosophy behind nonprofit and how you know, we need to focus more on helping each other. And, mm-hmm. um, I just, I, I love that stuff. And I think especially now, like I mentioned before, the current uh, political mm-hmm. climate is, it's so divisive and it's so polarizing. And, you know, you've got this uh, one half that's, you know, hyper individualistic. I think that you're living in a civilization and, uh, you know, everybody's not going to be on the same level. There's going to be people that need mm-hmm. help, and then that's where you guys step in, mm-hmm. goodwill, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. uh, any non- nonprofit really. And it's so important, I think, to keep focus on that. And I, I, I'm sure it's easy to get discouraged sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think some of the joy of Habitat too is that we have the opportunity to partner with the members, the families oh, that right. we're serving. And to build those relationships and really empower people, too, is such a great piece of the Habitat world, of the model of Habitat. That's what really makes it successful and separates it maybe, um, you know, from others is, is that relationship component is so meaningful. But, um, but yeah, working inside a nonprofit, managing a nonprofit, there you have some really tough days without a doubt. I won't lie to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's sure. a lot of hard work. And I've been in the corporate world, too, and I owned my own business for a period of time. I came back to nonprofit mm-hmm. work, and it's a challenge no matter where you go but nonprofit really can be because you have um, so many challenges and especially from a Habitat perspective it's a really complex organization that I don't think everybody really understands or knows how much we really do behind the scenes I mean it's a we're a mortgage lender a third party we work with oh, a third party lender okay. uh, to mortgage so we work through that process with our homeowners we're also a builder um, so we're out there building houses and many days we're in the office trying just to get through the paperwork and make it all happen and I think we're actually building houses out there somewhere a whole nother industry okay. that's part of the world you know part of the management that we do and we have the restore retail entity mm-hmm. too so it's a retail and it is a real challenge to maintain sure. every aspect of that and just you know pull it all together and keep going forward well did you find that overcoming the retail challenges helped you when you moved to the nonprofit world we've got a strong team so I feel like we um, we do well in that area has, has it helped me overcome it's a new aspect to the work that I do, without a doubt. I mean, there's definitely have to look at that in different ways. It's still part of the mission, and still we try to merge those messages together because the retail entity is very much a part of the Habitat mission. The revenue that they generate goes back into affordable housing, so everything that we do as an entire organization goes back into serving the community. Okay. But, um, but, yeah, it gets a little bit... Um, Confusing to try to you know to separate those messages from a retail aspect to reach that reach that target audience and 
uh, act as though you were a retail store to generate the income and the revenue and serve your audience and your clients the way that you need to, but then also make sure that you're intertwining and combining the message of Habitat at the same time. Yeah. So for p- those who aren't familiar, what would you say the mission or message of Habitat is? The mission of the, uh, the message? The mission of Habitat uh, is to put God's love into action by bringing people together to build homes, community, and hope. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good summary there. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Is that on your cards? Because it should be. Yeah. Oh, basically it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So now, kind of describe in detail more your role. Sure, sure. So um, I'm currently I'm the homeowner and volunteer services manager. So what I do um, in my homeowner services role is I work directly with the families we're serving to help them through the program. Um, first part of my job, though, is working with a committee to select homeowners for our program. There are requirements that homeowners have to um, fulfill in order to be eligible for the program. You know, uh, this is a home purchase program, so we have to make sure we are selecting applicants who will be set up for success, who might need a little help getting there, but are being close to being ready to be homeowners. Um, Our one of... um, the slogans we say is we are a hand up not a hand out we are giving them a hand up helping them along the way to purchase their home there's a myth out there um, that habitat gives houses away for free and that's not what we're doing we're helping them to purchase an affordable home through habitat so you know we look at applicants to see if they meet our requirements based on their income based on their need for affordable housing and based on their willingness to partner. Wendy talked about how this is a partnership with our homeowners and they are, once selected, they're working with us to help build the home. Um, They attend Habitat events. We work with them to fill out uh, applications for a mortgage, applications for grants for down payment assistance. We do these things together with them. Um, they help in our restore. They, we really build a relationship with them over the course of the time they're in their, our program. We call it a partnership. So one of the things we look at is, is this applicant um, going to be able to fulfill that partnership, that willingness to partner too? So I have a committee that I work with where we go through applications to select homeowners um, for upcoming projects. And then once they are selected and they're welcomed into the program, you know, I help them scheduling to fulfill all of their requirements, like their sweat equity hours of working on building the home with us and working in our restore, doing all those things. So um, they have to do some home buyer and financial education through the community action agency. So I help them set that up. Um, really just guiding them through making sure that they're fulfilling all the requirements that we need of them um, to complete the program, helping through the mortgage process, Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it, um, is working with uh, our lender. Right now we are using USDA Rural Development and um, it's a process just getting all the paperwork needed for that, helping them through the point of getting to where they purchase their home with us. Um, so 
there's a lot involved in purchasing a home, whether it's through Habitat or through a traditional lender that a lot of people don't realize, and we're trying to help them through that process. Um, take those steps one by one so that they don't have to do it all their own, on their own or so that they um, just have a little bit of help of what does this document mean, you know, walking them through that sort of thing. So, Yeah, I'm going to guess and say that, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably the financial aspect is, would you say that's the most difficult for the homeowners to navigate through? Like um, how mortgages work and how borrowing money works. I mean, is that like the biggest knowledge deficit that you found working with people? I think so because um, if you haven't purchased a house before, there's a lot of things you might not know about. Even if you have purchased a house before, but there was someone, a realtor, or someone behind the scenes helping you, um, there's and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just if you haven't experienced it, you might not know sure. um, what goes on in the background. So um, I think it's helpful to have someone to walk you through that, and that's a big help to to our homeowners. Just having an extra person or people there to support and answer questions sure. throughout that process. Sometimes we have homeowners that come to us um, that need, or applicants that need a little help of improving their financial situation or you know, improving their credit, things like that, to be ready to purchase a home. Okay. So we can um, help guide them that way, you know, even if someone is not eligible for our program yet because of um, credit issues or whatnot, we can still offer support. Um, Oh, a little bit like a financial counseling. Yes. Aspect. Yeah. Oh, we great. can we can still offer support if they're not ready yet to get them to a point where they may be ready, whether it is to purchase a home with Habitat in the future or to purchase a home through a traditional lender. Um, you know, either way, we are willing to help um, get people ready for that sense of that home ownership dream that a lot of people have. You mentioned the myth of. Oh, Habitat just gives homes away. Mm -hmm. What are some other myths that you have experienced uh, through working with Habitat? You kind of want to, I want to go over like myth busting, yeah. you know, because I'm sure there's a lot of misconceptions people have. I think one might be that um, all of the materials for our homes are donated and all of oh. the labor is donated. Um, it's not. Uh, some, some items... You know, we have a partner, Habitat in general has a partnership with Whirlpool, um, so some appliances are donated. But, you know, we purchase, um, we purchase items new. Uh, a myth connected to that, I think, is when people donate to the ReStore, I think sometimes they think that we're going to use those used items to build a Habitat house. Okay. But we buy the items new, you know, we, we provide a new house for families um, when we're doing new construction. So, um, you know, we we do pay professionals to do our uh, plumbing, uh, roofing, that sort of thing. We are always looking for in-kind donations, though. If we have a company that would like to, you know, donate all their labor, give us a discount, um, that's always a wonderful thing. Um, but I think that that might be a myth that people think, oh, everything's just given to them for that house, but Habitat does pay for sure. a lot of things. You know, some volunteer labor, some things we do with volunteer labor. So that is 
um, a donation in a sense when volunteers are donating their time to paint the house or whatnot. Okay. And, you know, that is a huge part of it. But um, And they obviously still have to pass all like state and local inspections and everything. So Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would, We're building houses, right? And right. Actually, 50% better than code right now. So we definitely, <laughs> and they're right. inspected the way a normal house would be inspected. Sure. And, but I think that hand up, not a handout is, is critical. That's a motto that we that we use. It really is a partnership. We, our homeowners do put in 275 sweat equity hours, and that mm. um, helps with the down payment. So that's, that's a lot of uh, time that they invest in learning how to build their own home. Mm-hmm. Sure. As Kathleen indicated, they are, they're taking these financial classes and uh, maintenance coursework and just learning how to be a better homeowner you know, through the process. So sometimes I think that the Habitat homeowners, because of all this education, are better equipped to be homeowners than the average homeowner, honestly. Oh, and they're knowledgeable of the resources in their community. They've invested time in building relationships, so it just makes them more sustainable uh, as community members and as homeowners. I believe it because yeah, we're not. Mm-hmm. There's no course in high school you take that's like this is how a checkbook works. This right. is how a mortgage works. Right. A credit card or borrowing mm-hmm. money and so. Right. But they are buying the home, so that yeah. is the bis- biggest misconception is that we give a house away, ah, sure. and they truly are buying the house. We do mortgage it to them. We provide them with an affordable mortgage, so we're required as an organization to make it affordable to them. And okay. um, and the the definition of affordability is 30% or less of their income towards housing. Okay. So we look at that as a goal and you know we strive to making sure that they're hitting that goal and then we fill the gap. So if, if there's a house that's appraised at more than what they could afford based on those numbers, then we're filling that gap and bringing it down to make it to a point where it's affordable. And we okay. do that through many resources, you know, whether it's writing grants behind the scenes, whether it's reaching out to donors for support, um, um, hosting events, so we do that in many ways throughout the year. I've heard writing grants is a nightmare. <laughs> is that? It's like so difficult, and it's, it's, um, it's kind of a roll of dice. Is I that have true? To, we have to go in our grant cave for a few hours. Get that <laughs> done more than a few hours. Sometimes it's days. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of that right brain, left brain thing for mm. me. You really have to carve out time, but but I enjoy writing, um, and the grants are essential. It's a it's one sure. component that really is unnecessary for us to meet our goals. Have you guys ever experienced any resistance or blowback based on the myth? Like someone will come up and say, hey, you know, you guys are doing this and I don't agree um, with it. And you're like, that's actually yes, not true. Yes, absolutely. Oh, when right. I think of many times when we enter a new community, we get a lot of not in my backyard ah, the comments. Nim- the NIMBY and argument, yeah. Right, so it's just a lot of education to a community. And well, we will even have individuals who might think that we would lower their property values Mm -hmm. and that truly is not the case in fact sometimes many times we will be able to increase you know the local property value and so we sell our houses at the appraised value we always sell a home at an appraised value but as i indicated previously the homeowner most likely can't afford that appraised value and our our um, responsibility as an organization is to fill that gap but we truly are selling the house to the homeowner at market rates so we're not interference or influencing you know the market rate from that perspective so we're not dropping their their values and the homes that we're building are um, like I said 50% better than code they're beautiful new homes and I think um, our homeowners are proud to be homeowners in a habitat home so being involved in habitat in multiple parts of the country what are some differences that you've noticed between areas in Delaware and here Pennsylvania and here are there anything that stands out Habitats serve their local community in the way that they best can. So I think everybody sort of has their own niche. Okay. And around the state, our habitats, uh, we used to be one called one of the core 12, meaning that we 
we're one of the um, 12 affiliates that we're building the majority of the homes in the state of Michigan. So some of us are actually building new homes because we have that niche and, I, and in our region, our local Grand Traverse affiliate is, is truly building new housing. We completed that net zero, um, the Depot Neighborhood Net Zero Energy Project. So we're doing something a little bit unique uh, across the nation because we're, we're striving to achieve net zero energy. Mm-hmm. And that means that the house produces as much energy as it consumes. And that might not be something that everybody strives for you know, across the nation. We, again, we might be a little unique in that perspective. But I would say that most affiliates at least strive for energy efficient housing. Sure. Um, and in that, in that way, um, we're aligning well now with the Cherryland program and trying to achieve those goals. Absolutely, yeah. Can you uh, kind of elaborate on the program at Cherryland? I heard the podcast, but a lot of our listeners may have not. I just, I was listening to it, just getting excited. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So what are some, what are some more details? There are affiliates, most affiliates do home repair programs, and we have wanted to do more home repairs. We do a few a year. We have wanted to increase our capacity to serve the most vulnerable population and to be able to provide them uh, with home repair services, but we're looking now at priority home repair, meaning that we are first and foremost looking at safety and health conditions. So when we go into a home and assess it and look at the types of improvements that we need to make, um, we're looking at the safety and aspect first. But um, we also consider weatherization, so the energy efficient piece and component is still part of the work that we're doing, as well as beautification projects. So we will go in and maybe we need to remove shrub, uh, paint the home, or, or something in that category. But the program actually is something that we have discussed many years from a habitat perspective, and I know that Cherryland has wanted to uh, make a difference as they evaluated their customer base. They took a look at I believe they're stating that at least 4% of their customer base they were able to assess needed some home improvement and home repairs. And they decided that we would partner together. We align well on wanting uh, to serve, again, the vulnerable population and provide these services to them. So they've actually determined to use their unclaimed capital credits towards their membership. There's a period of time when they're actually holding the funds and trying to reach out to their customer base to return those funds, but if that doesn't happen, they have a period of time when it becomes unrestricted dollars, and they made the decision at board level that they would put the funds back into the community by partnering with Habitat and allowing us to increase our capacity to serve in the home repair side. So we're actually, uh, again, working on priority level home repair. So it could mean if they have a a roof leak, um, if they don't have running water, uh, if they need a new heating or cooling system. So we want to go in and and take a look at those things first. I feel that when two nonprofits get together like that, it almost becomes more than the sum of the parts. You know, I I don't know why I get that feeling that it just has an amplification effect Mm -hmm. because, you know, you've got... Uh, the Cherry Lands nonprofit, Habitat's nonprofit, and then besides the the good work that is being done just because of the nature of the organization, when you combine like that, it just has this bigger effect because now you've got people that you know may not have been able to have a home that now because of Habitat have a home, um, and also with this partnership of Cherryland, people who have homes improve their homes, become more energy efficient, and then that allows Cherryland to run more efficient. So I, I think it's this great, I don't know, what do you want to call it, waterfall or snowball effect. Well, I won't lie to you. We're really excited about it. Sure. We really are because it's been a vision of ours. It's, you know, one of our strategic 
uh, components at board level and with the staff. So we were pleased and proud to you know to partner with Cherryland and to be able to make this difference. And we look forward to the next three years and assessing the data that comes to us and finding ways to better serve the community together as a team. So I think you know I totally agree with you that I, be, I believe bringing the two organizations together with all their expertise um, allows us to better serve the community. Were there any like regulatory or legal roadblocks to getting this implemented? No. Good. No. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, no, it was a, an announcement, and a, you know, it was a, actually a commitment by the Cherryland Board, right? And many conversations with their team and ours to make sure that we could um, align well and that we had the same objectives. So no, there wasn't any legal or, or policy or roadblocks, but um, you know we're just rolling the program out currently, mm-hmm. and hope to be able to do some good work next year in 2020. Yeah, yeah absolutely. About it. And I know Kathleen has a lot of stories about the homeowners that we've already served, and it's just it's meaningful work to be able to make a difference in somebody. And there's a lot of a need in this community, so absolutely um, being able to identify the ones that are most vulnerable. Um, from a habitat perspective, we serve older adults, uh, we serve families, and we identified, and, and also veterans. We have a veteran mm-hmm. initiative, too, that we're really sure. happy about um, participating in the veteran initiative across the state of Michigan, and, and Habitat International supports a major veteran initiative as well. well Kathleen, what kind of stories mm-hmm. stick out in your mind, then? Well, I mean, just speaking about, for example, veterans, we have um, a couple veterans that I've worked with personally. As, for my time here at Habitat. Um, we did a veteran roof repair this this spring with Story Roofing and Owens Corning. Um, you know, a veteran who recently lost his wife and um, just, you know, when you lose someone, it can impact other parts of your life. And, you know, he needed just a little help to make sure that his his um, house was helped to be stay maintained. And um, we helped him um, get a new roof uh, through the Owens Corning Roof Deployment Program with Habitat International. Um, and, you know, he's a gentleman that I talk to often. He, he calls um, just to check in, and you can just tell his mood has changed. That At least that's one thing that's been lifted off his, his shoulders. So um, we also have another veteran family right now that... Uh, we just finished their home in Maple City. We actually had a home dedication last night for oh, them. Nice. Um, and they're getting ready to purchase their home with Habitat. They've struggled to find an affordable housing situation that fits right for their family of four. Um, bouncing around, living with friends and family. Um, it's it's hard to find something, you know, that is a good enough size for a family that is affordable. Uh that's a, one of the largest challenges I think in our community um, and those are the people that I interact with all the time is people struggling to find something um, so they they have worked really hard um, and we're very soon they're going to be purchasing their house and moving in um, to their habitat home but it's it's really a great part of that partnership with our homeowner families is that you get to know them, um, you get to know their struggles, and um, they get to know Habitat staff and volunteers and donors, and 
Um, a lot of times it drives them to then give back to the community sure. and we've had homeowners that say oh yeah I'm gonna work on other ha other people's habitat homes and nice. um, I want to get involved in this you know maybe I met a volunteer that also volunteers at a different organization that I'd like to help out too in the future so um, it's a really great way to have more people being involved in not just with habitat but in the community Wendy shared that our mission, um, part, our mission is um, to build homes, communities, and hope. And you know, the homes aspect is pretty obvious for literally building homes, but building communities too. You know, um, by for, by providing affordable housing, but also encouraging everyone to get involved, whether it's with Habitat or other partnerships we have. Sure. Um, so that's really a neat aspect to it. You know, we've been. The word affordability has come up quite a bit, mm -hmm. and um, I don't remember what magazine or whatever it was, but named Traverse City like the number one freshwater beach town in America. Mm -hmm. And I know what was it? Was it Good Morning America a few years ago? Like mm -hmm. this is one of the most beautiful areas in the country. Um, do you feel like there's this misconception of prosperity? in the area to the general public because I mean we live here we know the struggle of affordable housing we see it you know we've got it's you know it's a constant battle downtown with oh we're going to put up half million dollar condos in this mm -hmm. space and it's like well it's great but you've got people that work a lot of people that work some of it's seasonal downtown I think so. that's the challenge of any vacation resort uh, retirement community sure. we work with other affiliates across the state and around the nation that are experiencing the same um, challenges that we do in this way uh, so I don't think we're alone from that perspective but obviously our workforce and the affordable need uh, most of our workforce falls into that bracket um, of income that we serve and uh, that's probably 50% of our community that has, you know, that's falling in that lower income or middle income and has that need. It's become more of a challenge every day. It sure. really is. It really is. So do you see, do you see things right now in this area? Are they, is there a trend that things are getting better from an affordable housing perspective? What? What I'm hearing the statistics are currently is that we have a need for 900 uh, rental or housing solutions, shall I say, mm -hmm. annually to keep pace, and wow. we're not coming near that. Okay. You know, we might be performing at 400 currently, oh, so wow. there's a huge need, and it's really just a snapshot in time, so if we can't keep pace with that, then obviously things will change. You know, Things will have to happen in the community, so whether you can uh, be proactive and do the things that you want to steer your community in the right direction, if we can keep pace with it, or if you can't, natural things, organic things will happen. So people will have to move outside the community to other communities and find um, employment. And I think we're working hard as a community to maintain that younger adult and you know the workforce, maintain them here. We're working as hard as we can, but um, but we're not keeping pace not with the affordable aspect of it. But you know they call it affordable housing. We call it workforce housing. I've recently. Uh, heard in a workshop that they're calling it attainable housing. Okay. Um, so I, I think there's some misconceptions there from us from a habitat perspective too because yeah. our uh, affordable housing really is workforce housing too. I mean sure. we've got hard-working deserving families in this community that are um, your teachers. They're working in nonprofits. You know, mm -hmm. your, your uh, medical, your firemen. You, you have people across the community that are that are struggling to make enough 
you know, in their household to survive. And you have a lot of single parents currently sure. too, and so it's just it's a real struggle. Sure. How closely does Habitat work with, say, like the school system? Maybe the school system, do they recommend uh, people to Habitat? We've had a lot of partners with the school system. Oh, right. and, and for anytime we do an information session and we're seeking new families, um, you know, we align really well because they obviously are working, they can identify yeah. the families in need more quickly sure. um, and then send them our way and provide those opportunities. When, when we were building in a certain community, the first thing that we'd want to do is make sure that the school district or the schools in that community are knowledgeable that we're there and that we're serving families and anybody who has that need you know, should come to us. Because we do have three components to the eligibility process and it, it definitely is a need. You know, they have to, we have to serve somebody with a high need and the ability to uh, make a sustainable payment. Mm -hmm. So, um, And then also that willingness to partner, right? that 275 sweat equity hours. And I used to say, you know, that's a, that's a big piece of the eligibility to require a third of that eligibility to be the partnership. But um, having been with Habitat now seven years, I recognize why that's so valuable, that relationship building process, the, the, um, the knowledge that they garner through building, you know, networking and building these relationships and building their own house is just, yeah. um, it's life changing for them. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned, Kathleen, you mentioned before about um, the people that you help tend to help others. Mm -hmm. um, you touched on that. Is that, um, and you just kind of mentioned that, that this 275 hours mm -hmm. is kind of emphasized to whoever is you guys are helping out. Um, so you see that more and more then with people, the more you help, the more they help, and it mm -hmm. kind of just spreads out. Is that kind of what you see? Yeah, I think it inspires people. Um, That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, because, you know, and a lot of times, well, they are working with other volunteers, and um, they hear what other volunteers are doing, whether this is their, someone's first volunteer opportunity, you know, ever, or, um, like I said, they learn about other things going on in the community. Um, but we've just heard that from a lot of our homeowners that say, you know, I'm going to teach my kids to help other people by getting involved with other organizations. You know, I've, we've heard that, um, you know, whether their kid is one year old and they're getting them involved now by showing them what a hammer does and okay. um, or whether their kids are, you know, preteens or teenagers. And um, I've heard that a lot, that it goes throughout the family. It doesn't just impact the adult in the family um, it impacts the whole the family as a whole and the children because uh, the, the children have even seen all these people come together that don't even know them to help build their house or to come to a home uh, dedication or a groundbreaking you know we see people in the community that don't even know the family that just want to be a part of this um, so uh, the children see that as well and I'm sure it makes a lifelong impact on them, thinking, hey, these people helped me and my family yeah. when we needed that help, even though they didn't know us, and I want to do that with someone in the future, so I think it makes a big impact. I'm so glad you're talking about that, because that ripple effect is so meaningful, yeah. um, and that impact that it makes is, is something that we like to... It's, it's hard to quantify. It's something that's not necessarily tangible, and sure. it's really hard to share that from with your donor base. 
but the way I think about it is I'd like to refer to a story of our first family served 33 years ago and their son Jake um, he many many years later when we had a call out in the community for need for working on, on a roof I believe at that time he came out with his services. He actually owns a roofing company now, so he came yeah. out to help. And um, he didn't identify himself to the other volunteers or our staff as a, you know, a child of a former Habitat homeowner because he doesn't think of himself that way. Um, but he came out with a passion to help others, and that really was, I believe, was installed in him at a young age when the community came together to help his mother. At that time, they were living in a tent and with his, with his younger brother. And that I believe changed him and so when we recognized who he was at some point and he started sharing his story with us we recognize again that ripple effect through his lifetime sometimes I like to think um, because I know he's touched the hearts of many people and I could share these stories about Jake personally we could go on and on uh, but I almost like to think if you if you could turn on a light switch and you could just see Everybody he's touched, I think it would be hundreds oh, upon hundreds sure. of people in his lifetime. Yeah. So that's just that ripple effect. And I think um, Habitat homeowners in this community are kind of woven in the fabric. And so many leaders that I know of started out here in this community with sustainability through a Habitat relationship. Uh, it kind of cultivates this mm-hmm. compassion. That Absolutely. Has, want to give back. That's right. so important. Right. That's right. so important. You mentioned Habitat International. Um, how far-reaching is Habitat? I mean, look at Globally, all over? Global. It's an international organization, absolutely. Second largest um, private builder in the nation. Okay. Um, So absolutely, in every country around the world. Are you aware, I can't imagine this would ever happen, but are you aware of any community where Habitat was just not welcome, where the locals were like, no thanks? I can't imagine that happening. I hope it would never happen. I would hope it would. I'm not knowledgeable of anything like that, but I, I would hope that um, Habitat as a whole, through their community, I like to see us as a resource for the community. Yeah. You know, we're simply a tool that you can use to solve you know, some solutions, yeah. or it's a solution to some community challenges, yeah. and working with us and through us and using our resources um, helps solve some of those um, you know, challenges of affordable housing in your local community. So I, I think we're well, I think the organization as a whole is, is definitely well embraced. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have, like I mentioned earlier, educational opportunities, and I like to look at them that way. Yeah. There's always opportunity for education. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, like I said, I, I would hope that would never happen. I mean, I, just, I haven't right. heard anything like that, and I can't imagine a, a population in the community rejecting something as positive. I think we find in this local community, uh, because of the name of Habitat, that we receive many many calls um, just because they know that Habitat is a place that they can go and as a resource for them so they may not end up partnering with Habitat but at least we're able to provide them some other local resources but they see the name of Habitat they recognize the name of Habitat so that prompts them to contact us and then that gives us the opportunity to serve them in different ways. So we might not be building a house for them. Okay. Uh, we might not do a home repair, but they could need um, financial coaching, as Kathleen sure. mentioned earlier, just so that they could attain that credit score so they can be a homeowner in the future. So we'd like to know that at least everybody who contacts us and walks through our door can be served, and we keep that data. So normal, we, we might serve several hundred. I think we're up to almost 300 individuals served through Habitat 
in this past fiscal year. So it's a little bit more than you know four new houses a year, and it's more than nice. 20 home repairs a year. So we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes and coaching people in the right direction and giving them opportunity because we can't build them everyone that knocks on the door a new home, but we can right. provide them um, education and opportunity to get there on their own behalf in the traditional way. Okay. And you said the first, then you call it uh, chapters, is that when you have the, you know, the habitats, the local habitat? They, affiliates. Affiliates, yeah, okay. Affiliates, chapters, so affiliates. Yeah. this one, you said started 33 years ago, mm -hmm. and what's the range, like what's the reach geographically? Leelanau, Kalkaska, and Grand Traverse. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's an affiliate in almost every county, and we happen to oh. serve three counties. So oh, okay, a, I see. Yeah, and many so, of them do serve more than one county. So uh, I guess I'm guessing down by the bigger cities, it's just per county. Yeah, it'd be, <laughs> be yeah. pretty pretty tough for mm -hmm. you know Macomb and Wayne and uh, what's right. the other one? Oakland. Oakland, yeah, yeah. Right. one affiliate. Right, 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 absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, affordable housing. Going back to that, of course, you know, my my daughter, she's in her mid twenties and did. The thing that we all tell her to do, go to college, mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. in this area, mm -hmm. you know, this is this is tough. So she's been looking for stuff downstate, Lansing and everything like, like that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, how was it in, in Delaware as far as affordable housing, um, mm -hmm. you know, com maybe compared to here? I mean, yeah. we've got this, um, to me, it's this, this massive gap between, you know, what someone making a decent wage can afford. Mm -hmm. You know, compared to the housing market, was it yeah. like that in Delaware too? Well, I was in an urban setting in mm. Delaware. I was in Wilmington, Delaware, okay, right. um, and you know they just serve. They serve the community what according to what the community needs. I would say there's also a pretty big gap um, in in Wilmington as well. There are a lot of businesses and banks headquartered. Uh, headquarters I've in Wilmington. Isn't there yeah. like this crazy because tax laws? They, is that what yes. It is? Yeah. Okay. There's no sales tax in Delaware, and I think there's probably some other things that help businesses there. Okay. So there's a lot of um, there's definitely uh, wealthy communities there, but then um, there's also poorer communities there. Um, so in Wilmington, for example, we were building townhomes, attached townhomes, because okay. that's what. The need was there, and it was in the urban um, side. It was in the city of Wilmington, um, so that's very different than what we're doing here. Uh, just because we are more rural, uh, if we get the opportunity to have property in downtown Traverse City, like we did with our depot neighborhood, and we can build a community of ten homes, um, we will do that here. If we have a property. Uh, out in Maple City and can build one home there we will do that based on the community needs so um, that was a just a big difference in in where I was in Delaware because it was a more urban setting mm -hmm. um, but like I said each habitat affiliate um, conforms to whatever that community needs so looking sense. at what works yeah, absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. do you think that's a function of the, each affiliate essentially being made up of all locals, so they they know what's going on. There. Right. Yeah. There's yes. There's, there's a lot of truth to that. That's what I shared um, before. Is knowing that you know your local habitat is a resource for your community, for affordable housing solutions, and we have many 
businesses that assist us in this mission. We have church congregations that come together to assist us. So there are a lot of um, entities of the community that use our services and our tools and work with us because we really do perform with all volunteer based, right? Mm -hmm. It's all all based on financial contributions and volunteers coming out to help us make each and every home sustainable and affordable. Okay. Now, so if there's, uh, what are the best communication pathways for not only people who uh, are in need of habitat services, but people who know others who are in need. What's the best way to contact Habitat? Mm-hmm. I would send them to our website, habitatgtr.org. And also, you could contact us by phone on any day, and then it would be 231 941 And then you can reach us. We have a, a Facebook page as well. Sure. We do a lot of, we share a lot of what we do in this community through social media. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, you got to do that's it the way, at right. this point. I mean, it's, you can argue all day long about the positives and negatives, but, I mean, I think for an organization like yours, the, the uh, communication mm-hmm. ability, you know, anywhere in minutes, you can right. let anybody know any situation. Mm-hmm. You know, like for, for example, the, what is it, the, Grand Traverse County lost pets. I mean, mm-hmm. something like that. It's, it's an amazing resource, mm-hmm. you know, because you just put the word out and boom, and minutes later, oh, yeah, the street, mm-hmm. here it is. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on. What a good conversation. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're at almost an hour already. <laughs> oh so I don't want to take up all, all day for you. Uh, but again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll definitely put uh, all the contact information um, uh, in the intro as well. Uh, and I put it in the show notes, so um, there'll be multiple uh, resources. People won't have an excuse to not know how to contact. Can I share something about Absolutely, volunteers? Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, so the other side of my job right now is volunteer services, and okay. we're always looking for people that uh, want to help out at Habitat, whether it is by building a home or helping out in our restore um, helping out in our office or through unique ways. So I really encourage anyone that um, wants to know more about Habitat to reach out to us or wants to get involved and volunteer to please contact us. You know, we are finishing up a house in Kingsley right now, and we definitely need some people to come out and help help that house um, get completed. So really encourage the community to get involved that way. Um, our volunteers that we have are wonderful, whether they are coming out for a first time and they've never worked on a construction site and then we also have this group of core volunteers who some of them have been with us for 20 years some of them have been with us for five years um and they if we need them they can come out several times a week to help us get a house done so um we really rely on them and individual volunteers we have team build volunteers that come out um, a lot of times they provide a financial contribution to Habitat along with their, um, you know, business work day. It can kind of be like a bonding experience for them. And they give back through their volunteer time and efforts, but then a lot of times through a sponsorship where they're helping to provide um, to us financially to move along in the build, too. So just want to recognize all the volunteers we have helping and working on our sites and in our restore in any way. and. Just to encourage anyone that is interested to, to get involved, we'd love Absolutely. to Absolutely. We yeah. couldn't do what we do without the volunteer support in this community. It's sure. pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. We have to thank all of those volunteers for taking that time and yeah. 
coming out. And we put 33,000 hours into the depot neighborhood volunteer oh, wow. hours from this community. So thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you. Yes. Right. What's the most effective form of advertising that you found for Habitat? Is it Facebook or is it radio or TV? You guys really even bother with TV or radio anymore? We have a very comprehensive marketing and advertising okay. program. We, we truly do because we have so many activities that are going on, whether it's an event, whether it's a home build, whether we're fundraising. Mm-hmm. We have our restore moving this summer, so there's a lot of activity around there. So I, I would say we have a I – won't, I, I don't know which is most effective. I think that's the most effective say. thing we do is that um, we have a great communications team that's very comprehensive and outreach. But social media by far has helped us, like you said, I mean, really, truly helped us get the word out there quickly on everything that we do, right? We've gotten a lot of TV coverage recently, too. And, uh, you know, especially when we put a call out um, on the news that we're looking for applicants, I have, uh, you know, we did that last year, and I got an, an overwhelming response from people saying, oh, I see you guys are looking for someone I'd like to apply. Great. So um, there's a lot of different outlets that we've been successful in. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you again so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming on. Thank you for having us. Sure. Anything else you want to plug? <laughs> I just or? had to put that No, no, no. That's there. perfect. That's really what we're here for. Perfect. It, so. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate nice it. meeting you. Thank you. Nice chatting. Sure. <laughs> Take a water for the road if you want. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, watermelon, bread and butter. Oh, wait. No, that's what you say when you're trying to lip sync, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, watermelon, bread and butter. I mean, you don't say it out loud because it kind of ruins it, but... Yeah. Gotcha. I just heard, like, something that when you see newscasters or talk shows and they cut to commercial... And there's, there's a phrase like that where they say where it makes it look like they're actually saying something. They just lean in and the two people are just saying the two... The same phrase to each other, and then oh, we'll yeah. just insert a laugh or yeah. whatever, make it look yeah. like they're making a point. All I can think of is Anchorman. I've only saw that like once. Yeah, yeah I need to watch that one again. I heard um, when he and Veronica are going back and forth when they cut the commercial. Oh, it is. is that? Uh, yes, I will, that's what I, was I will punch of. you in the ovaries, straight shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what's her name's character, right? Uh, from Married with Children. Yeah. What's her name? Applegate. Christine Applegate. Applegate. Yeah. yeah. I heard that. Uh, uh, Jesus, my mind is mush. Johnny Carson. I heard that with a lot of his, especially female guests, when they cut to commercial, nothing. He would just sit there and tap his pencil and smoke a cigarette until commercial break, and then it was like, okay, so now we're back. What? I don't know what his deal is. Severe alcoholic too, I guess. I imagine. Give me enough money and time, I develop a few habits of my own. <laughs> All self-destructive. Mainly, most likely. All right. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat>